Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. We're going to get right into it. And um, we're starting in Acts. And we memorized a verse. I know some of you will have memorized it, and some of you will be thinking, oh, I didn't memorize. So I will ask by a show of hands if you didn't. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. Uh, But we will practice it together. And you know what? Memory work is not an easy thing for everyone. Uh, When I first started, I I started with Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is very ambitious. I actually resisted doing that. The Holy Spirit told me for, I think, six months before I started. I was in disobedience. But anyways, when I started, the first 12 verses, I think, took two months of trying every day. So it's not always an easy thing, but then you begin to go and your brain works and neurons that fire together, wire together, and suddenly you can memorize much easier. Anyways. Resurrection Sunday, this is 50 days ago, we celebrated Jesus' death. He laid in a tomb. Friday, Good Friday, he laid in a tomb. He got killed. He got tortured for our sake. He died for our sins. He atoned for our sins. He defeated death. For all eternity, he defeated death. He defeated sin. He overturned the principalities of the air. He shamed them publicly on the cross. Resurrection Sunday, he rises from the dead doing something absolutely incredible no one had ever done. He had raised people from the dead before, but who has raised themselves from the dead? And that resurrected body was supposed to be the, uh, like Adam was the first Adam, the resurrected body was a prototype of what we were going to get in our redemption, resurrected bodies. And we have hope in that resurrection because it guarantees, right, that we too will have resurrected bodies that won't have the physical ailments, but it gets better. Jesus appears to them over the course of a few days there, and he's appearing to many, and he's teaching them. It says in Acts that he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. I wonder what that discourse must have been like, amen? What was he all saying in 40 days? Like, whatever it was, I know the Holy Spirit, we're going to get to that, but Jesus taught them for 40 days. He expounded on the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Just to pause there, we could spend a whole message on there, and we probably will coming up in the future, uh, for people that wonder about replacement theology. The disciples, after hearing about the coming kingdom, they had no idea in their mind about the church replacing Israel. Their idea after hearing Jesus teach about the kingdom was, Lord, are you going to set up the kingdom of Israel now? Is now the time? Are are you going to set up, and and Jesus, you're going to sit on the throne of David forevermore, and there will be no more shame and no more pain and no more death, a kingdom that lasts forever? But Jesus said, "It it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. So he wasn't going to come now, and he said that he wouldn't tell them when that would be. He didn't even know. It's the Father that fixed it. But he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is the memory verse. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is the end of that passage I was just reading. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So let's read it together. Ready? All right, let's read it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right, now see if you can close your eyes. And if you got a peek, that's okay. Well, we're just trying, right? We learn together. This is fun, it's church work. All right, are you ready? Three, two, one. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Sweet goodness, most of your eyes stayed shut. Oh, I don't know about this. (laughs) Okay, it's hard when you're doing it together. It's way different when you're doing it at home. There's pressure. I always find that when I'm reviewing verses. Okay, three, two, one. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Amen? Amen. Are you looking for that power, that Holy Spirit? Amen. I'm with you guys. Pentecost, we're celebrating the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which took place 50 days after the resurrection, 10 days after Jesus ascended. So when he ascended, it was 10 days. He told them to wait in the upper room. We did a bit of that this last week over there in the prayer room. And uh, it was 10 days after that the Holy Spirit came down in fire. And uh, Acts 2, 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came, a, came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, a mighty rushing wind, like we just sang about, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. It divided tongues as a fire and appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Wow. As the Spirit gave utterance. What an incredible thing. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit changed everything. It changed the course of human history. One of the most significant events that has ever taken place on this earth. One of. We still celebrate Jesus' death and his resurrection, his ascension, but he said when he leaves, it was better that he goes, for he was sending the Holy Spirit. And that's a wonderful thing. So church-wide prayer, we still got to do that. Uh, but it's going to be a little different. I'm going to ask you, if you want, uh, to hold your hands out and close like this, and I'm, I'm just going to ask him to, to speak to you and a lot of what we're doing, we're going to be talking about the Jewish agricultural cycle. And we've got to prepare the hearts. You know, uh, this year I, let a, I bought this flower and I let it dry out too far. <laughs> Oops. Anyways, and then I tried pouring a bunch of water on it. And you know what it did? It just poured right off. It didn't hold. And I think sometimes we're so dry. It's been so long. The heart's so hard that the Holy Spirit comes and it just kind of splashes to the side. And so we need to break up the dirt. Amen? We need to soften the ground, get it moist again, so that it can receive what God has for us. Lord, I, right now I pray for myself and for this church. Lord, and for the ones that are gathered online. We ask right now that you would highlight our hearts. That if we have put our hope in anything in this world, Lord, that you would highlight those things. This is not to condemn, Lord. Rather, this is so in our joy we can lay everything down before you. Are we walking in the spirit of the flesh? Is there anything that we need to lay down this morning? Is there anything he's asking you to do? The Holy Spirit was sent to convict the world of sin, but also of righteousness. He both tells you what not to do, but he tells you what to do. In your heart, I want you just to say yes to anything that he brought to your mind, whether that's conviction of things to do or conviction of things not to do. Jesus said that's what he does. Yes, Lord, I will. We've talked about that. Yes, Lord. Our answer is always yes. So now, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We invite you into our hearts. We invite you into our hurts, our pain. We invite you into our passions and our dreams. We invite you to teach us this morning to soften our hearts to who you are and to what you want to do in our, in our church and in, and in our lives personally. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. What a good morning already, amen? Oh, this is just going great. I wish Pentecost was every week. <laughs> I've been having such a fun time with that devotional all, all week. And, you know, uh, Chris, Pastor Chris helped a lot with that, and so did Jocelyn. She made it look all pretty. And uh, it's so good to have a team effort. I talked about last week, you know, Martin was helping with that graph. We'll go back to that graph here this morning. We honestly have, have some of the best people. And I come here early and there's volunteers everywhere and they're serving and they're getting ready and there's cheers and there's joy in this place. And I just think, wow, God has done a work here. You know, after COVID and after the split and after there were so many things, and all the stuff, put it aside. 
He's not finished with us, and it has nothing to do with us being that great. It has to do with him being that great. <laughs> we just give him a little humble yeses. <laughs> Whatever you want, Lord. Whatever is your way is our way. <laughs> sure, we'll do it. And uh, he does the rest, and I love that. I'm thank, I thank God for the grace that he bestows upon us. So, what is the significance of what happened at Pentecost? Well, first thing is the Holy Spirit guarantees God's promises. Uh, it says in Scripture, all, all God's promises find their yes in him. Right? From fulfilled prophecy to down payments of future promises to personal transformation to the ability to stand firm under persecution. Those are all benefits from the Holy Spirit. And we get those uh, from Pentecost, even performing miracles, our witness, effective witness. Yes, absolutely. Excuse me. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 to 22 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has put his seal on us and given his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He's given his spirit in our hearts as, as a guarantee. But I, I kind of focused on this a little bit with, with the, uh, in the prayer time. Um, I think one of our problems is, you know, it's like forgiveness. You know that forgiveness is a promise, right? From Jesus' death and resurrection, we get forgiveness of sins, but, but that we also get the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, take a look here with Acts 2, 38 to 39, and this is after Peter's just preached a powerful sermon, and they're all cut to the heart. You ever felt that way, right? The Word of God exposes you, and you see your sin before you, and you're cut to the heart, and you don't know what to do. How do I respond? Look what Peter says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So that's number one. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and your children and, who, and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. You know, something we have to recognize, though, is those are potential benefits of following the Lord. Uh, many people don't access them. I mean, sure, to get saved, you have to have the forgiveness of your sins to be washed in the blood. Yes, absolutely. But your sins separate you from God. Many people then stop repenting and, and just end up living in sin again. And whether that completely removes them from their salvation or not, they're totally dead still, and they're not alive, and they don't bear fruit. And the same is true with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and I have seen this far too many times someone who just gives their lives, lives to Christ, it's an honor to get to, to be around anyone. Like, new believers are the absolute funnest. <laughs> That's a word, right? They're fun. They're wonderful to be around. Why? Because they're zealots. It's like they get, something changes, and, and you're like, I wonder what it is. And you know, we say, it, it, they're emotional. It must be what it is, right? They'll grow out of it. They just don't know better. They're immature. So in their immaturity, they can't stop bearing witness about what Jesus has done. They can't stop sharing him with people around them. They can't stop living lives of radical obedience. Wait, I thought those were all signs of maturity in Scripture. See what happens? We get jaded as we grow older. Sometimes it's because of bad theology or bad expectations going in. I think that's part of it. When you, when you get raised in a church that says, just believe in Jesus and everything's going to be okay, even though that's not found in the Bible. Then you live your life and you wonder why you have anxiety and why your sin doesn't go away right away and you end up getting jaded and you stop following God the same way you did in your youth. And so scripture encourages us to go back to the things that we did at first. Go back to first love. <laughs> not, not to move on from it. No, no, no. Go back to it. Build on it. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's not even in the notes. So let's go back to the notes. <laughs> Some other things that the Holy Spirit guarantees. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And I will give you a new heart, new spirit, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now this is partially fulfilled, but we're already seeing it. I mean, the difference between, you know, before Pentecost and after Pentecost, you can totally see this being fulfilled already. The Holy Spirit comes in, gives desires, gives the ability to obey. I mean, it's one thing to obey when it's sunny outside. Remember Peter, right? I mean, he could follow, follow the Lord. Lord, to death I will go. Until to death, maybe it was a risk, and, and then suddenly he denied Jesus, right? And then afterwards, we know he did, in fact, 
go to death for Jesus. So we know that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost changed everything. You know, Acts 2, 14 to 21, a few verses later says this, but Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Now what, what he's getting at is they were, they were speaking to everyone there. There was people from all different nations around Israel there. And, and these uneducated common men were speaking to them all in their own language. And they were bewildered. They, they didn't understand. What is going on here? How do they know this? How do they know my native tongue? Remember Acts 2 verse 4 said the Spirit gave them utterance, <laughs> right? Different kinds of tongues, and this is one of the kinds of tongues. And, and, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, and here uh, Peter's going to just reference Joel 2 is what he's referencing. And he says, in the last days shall it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants, both, uh, uh, both female and male, sorry, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. What an incredible promise. And Peter's saying, this is what you're seeing. God's spirit is being poured out and that's what you're seeing. These are the gifts of the spirit being poured out. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Now, these are just a handful of things. We're going to go through a lot more throughout the service, but these are a handful of things that happened right there. There was fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, and that's what Peter was getting at. Old Testament prophecy, another Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled right before their eyes. Peter's saying that prophecy, and they were all aware of it, that one happening right now. Absolutely, yes. But also then they received this guarantee of redemption, and that's what Paul was saying earlier. And, and then Peter's saying here that it empowers spiritual gifts and, and special ability to obey, it says in Ezekiel. But there's a last part to this if we go back to Acts and, and right around verse 20 and 21 here. And he says, I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The, sh the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wait a minute. Peter includes this in his prophecy that he's say saying is being fulfilled, but has this been fulfilled? Did the day of the Lord already take place? I hope not. I hope not, because I still spend a lot of time in confession, and I still have a body that hurts. And we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So, so what, what exactly is he getting up, and, and what happened at, at Pentecost? Well, if we go back to Joel, you have to always remember, some of these prophecies that he's talking about, there's the now, not yet. And his, his hearers of the day would have understood because they were very studious in the Word of God, the Scriptures of the day. Very unlike a lot of us in the West. And we have to learn to be more studious like that. Be good Bereans, right? For they examine the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. That's a good, that's a good goal to have. Uh, to, go, to go back to the Word and be studious that way. But let's go to Joel 2 and see what it says here. Okay, there it is. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and, and the latter rain as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming, swarming locust has eaten. What an incredible promise that is. I, I think some of us feel that the swarming locusts have eaten the years in our lives. We have lost the joy. We have lost the fullness feels like loss is the thing we know most dearly. Look at that. It's all included in here. He's going to restore the things that the locusts have eaten, the hopper and the destroyer, the cutter. My great army which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Wow. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is no one else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Okay, now Peter picks up and says, the Lord will pour out his spirit and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then it goes on to talk about, I'll show you wonders in the heavens and on earth and blood and fire and columns of smoke. 
So the early readers would have understood there's two parts to the fulfillment of this prophecy. And so part of it was happening. There's the early rains and the latter rains. And if you'll recall back when Pastor Ray did a series called The Grand Story, which was a wonderful series, now it's turned into the way discipleship materials, if you want to go through it again, uh, you can. But right at the end, he talked about the early rains and the latter rains. And that's exactly what Joel is getting at here, the early rains and the latter rains. And that's where we're going to focus some more attention. So the early rain and the, and the latter rain outpouring. What happened at Pentecost was the early rains. So Peter, when he's looking at Joel's prophecy, Peter's focusing, you know, their kind of emphasis is different. If you read Joel, Joel emphasizes the latter rain portion, the end times portion, what's going to happen at the end of the days, the day of the Lord. Peter's focusing more on the early rains portion of the same prophecy. But there's two parts. There's the early rain outpouring, right? I mean, when you have dry ground, there's the, the early rains that soften the ground, and you get the first fruits, and it prepares the ground for the great harvest that comes with the latter rains, which is much greater. And that's the imagery, that Jewish agricultural cycle. They would have a long summer where the ground would get very, very hard. It would be very hard to grow anything in there. And, and then you would get the early rains, and that would soften the ground, and they would plant, and they would harvest a little bit. That would be the first fruits. And then it would get, it would get the ground ready for the latter rains that would come later that would really bear the great harvest. And that's the picture we get of the Holy Spirit outpouring in the end times at the day of the Lord. There's going to be a latter rain outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if we're in the end of days. I don't know if I'm going to see it in my lifetime. But I'll tell you this. I've wanted to see it since I was a little kid. And then I took a time away from the Lord. I get that. But there is such a burning desire for me to be there. It's going to be the greatest time in human history. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. I just think what an honor that would be to be here for that. Amen? For the latter day, it'll be spoken of for all eternity, how God turned it around. Now they were in the kingdom of the dark, you know, kingdom of the beasts and the dark ages. And how the Holy Spirit just came and Jesus defeated the enemy at the cross. But it still wasn't completely done. And then he goes to the Father and sends the Holy Spirit early rains. And, you know, you see some movement and the church explodes. It gets big. But it's not done yet. People are still struggling. They're still full of sin. There's still death. It's not there yet. It's partial. And then there's going to be this latter day, that rain that is going to produce a harvest that is uncomparable or incomparable to anything else in human history. And I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> Told you I'm excited about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Let's look at the graph again. This time I did some of the work myself because I just had to add words if it's going to work. There it is. Okay. God's grand story. You see that whole, little, that, that whole piece there? And we're gonna, we'll come back to it. Not every single message, but we'll come back to it because it's important that you get the story. And we should study it to know more than just the main pieces, but you should understand each piece. And I thought Pastor Ray did such a good job actually uh, doing a lot of it for us, or he's done a lot of that work for us and uh, continues to do a lot of the work. But anyways, in creation, this is where the Holy Spirit is. In creation, it says in Genesis that the Holy Spirit was here, actively involved in the creation of the earth. So the Holy Spirit starts, beginning. In the beginning, God is here. God is dwelling amongst men. God is here. He makes everything. Then there's the fall. And the fall brings sin and evil and death into the world, right? It's now corrupted, by the way. It's the second fall. We don't have time to get into that. But there's actually a first fall in the heavenlies, and then the second fall is on the earth. So both the heavens and the earth have been corrupted. And that brings upon the long, dry summer. And yet, in the long, dry summer, when you think that nothing would grow, we still see some fruit, don't we? I mean, certainly we would, we would call, like, I don't know, the exodus from Egypt some fruit. That would be the Holy Spirit. What about the prophets speaking things? And like, these prophets weren't just speaking kind of like, you know, sometimes you hear about, uh, what's that guy? Notre Dame or whatever. I've looked at some of those prophecies, and they are so way out there. You need a degree just to figure them out. These things are plain. Read Isaiah. It's so plain. You're like, hey, he basically said exactly, you would think this is taken from the gospel, this account of the suffering servant. Yeah, that's real prophecy. It's plain, and these guys spoke it. How would they have known 700 years before? And some of the prophecies in here are only being fulfilled in our day now, and some of them will be yet to be fulfilled. They saw these things. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's part of it, right? Absolutely, that's some fruit. That's some pretty big fruit, I'd say. I mean, he empowered special leaders, uh, 70 elders in Numbers, Othniel, Gideon. Remember Gideon, get up, mighty warrior. Have you ever felt like God says that to you and you're like, that is not me, you must be talking to someone else. I'm more a get up, fearful warrior, get up, fearful Scaredy cat, I don't know, maybe warrior's not even in there. Maybe we resonate more there. And yet the Spirit empowered him and Jephthah and others. And and the Spirit would empower people for a specific task. And so we see some fruit in that Old Testament era. We see some fruit. Certainly God had not abandoned them, though he could have. But he didn't. He was faithful because he's faithful to his covenant people. He is faithful to his promises. He's faithful So anyways, that's the long, dry summer. Little wonder, though, Moses cries out, and I like this, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses sees a little bit of what God is doing. A little bit. I mean, that's a big little bit, I'd say, the Exodus. Yeah. He sees a pretty big outpouring, and he's just like, oh, everybody needs this. Did he know what he was saying? Did he know what was coming? Did he understand? I don't know if he fully understood, but he said it by the by the power of the Holy Spirit, he even proclaimed those words because that, that, that prayer of his, that, every, that the Lord would put his spirit on them, happened at Pentecost. That everyone could have the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely incredible. You know, you skip forward to the Gospels and, and the long, dry summer is over. I mean, the, the disciples, who do you think I am? You are the Christ, Peter says. You are the Christ. And Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Just incredible. That always makes me shiver. Some of their exchanges make me shiver on multiple reasons. But anyways, they're they're starting to wonder, you know, is the kingdom of heaven here? Like, is is this the descendant of David? Is he going to establish a kingdom that will reign forevermore? Is this the time? Is this the time? And then he says, I'm going to suffer. And the first time he says it, I don't even think they hear it, and finally they're starting to get it, that, no, 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 this is the first coming. There's two. They had missed that in the, in the Old Testament scriptures. Many did. They missed it, but Jesus goes on to say this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. They wouldn't have been feeling this. I mean, they walked with him for three years, and he didn't just do miracles. I mean, we always focus about the miracles, but he took a bunch of nobodies and turned them into somebodies, gave them a place where they belonged. Gave them purpose and meaning in their life, which they never had before. Gave them a home. That's why they said, where else? Remember when everyone walked away and he says, are you too going to be offended? (laughs) What do they say? Where else would we go? You have the words of life. Oh, he was, he made an impact in their life. And so now he's saying, it's time for me to go. And they're like, Lord, you can't, you can't go. We we don't want to go back. We don't want to go back to the way things were. So he says, no, 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 it's to your advantage that I go. For if I go, the Father is going to send you another helper to be with you for always, right? And he goes on to say what that helper is going to do concerning righteousness and sin. Interesting, right, that he's going to talk about what we need to do, going to convict us of what we need to do for obedience. We don't always focus on that. And he also convicts you of your sin, of what you ought not to do. Right? And we, you know, sometimes, a quick side note here, I, I hear sometimes believers, and I've done it too, where, where, you know, you focus on there's no condemnation in Christ. You know, when we're saying that while we're living in sin, <laughs> that's not condemnation. That's the Holy Spirit. And be very careful on shutting out that voice. You shut him out in one area, you'll find he shuts out in all the areas. You don't want to be alone. Don't shut that voice out. Respond to it. Anyways, I will go to the Father. You'll see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Sometimes in the culture we want to remove judgment, that aspect of God we're uncomfortable with. And yet that's one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to remind us of judgment. It's coming so that we have urgency to stay awake and get ready. That's what he does. still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I love that. You know, sometimes we think, you know, if it's true, you should say it. Interesting, because Jesus didn't think that. He says he had many things to say to them, but they couldn't bear. He actually held back on truth that he thought they needed because they couldn't handle it yet. 
I wonder if we use that same metric to guard our tongues. I wonder what would change in our relationships. Anyways, for the truth tellers. Anyways, you cannot bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, on his own authority. Look at that. You see there's submission in the Godhead to the Father. Very fascinating. Submission. They're all equal, all equal personalities, and yet there's submission. Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing. The Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority, right? So there's a submission in the Godhead, which is fascinating. But anyways, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. End times. Wow. So Jesus was selling them on the fact that it's better that I go, right? You need this. They needed it 2,000 years ago. You need it today. I need it. Right now, I need it. We need it for our families with the assault that's happening in the culture. If you're a teacher in here, you need it to stand strong and to be wise as you teach in a school system that's working against the kingdom. If you're a doctor, you need this. Absolutely, as you're being pressured to do things that are against your conscience and against God's word. If you're into law or government, absolutely, you need this. Then I remember reading years ago about, um, uh, they were talking about the one quotient of, of successful nations. You know what they found it was? The health of the, what? Guess who? Moms. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Health of the Moms. Because they're the ones raising up the next generation, nurturing them. That's so incredibly valuable, and our culture tells you that that's not even a good job. It's not even important. You're just a mom. Just a mom. Interesting that that's been the most influential position for nations that did well over human history. Weird that it's just a mom. Think you're going to need the Holy Spirit for that job? We need it even to have our hearts beating. We need the Holy Spirit for that. John says a person cannot receive even one thing unless given him from heaven. All right. I'm not going to have time to finish if I don't keep going. Keep getting distracted. Let's talk about the next part, Pentecost. So look, God on earth, long dry summer, some fruit. Pentecost, early rains, more fruit. More fruit? I know, more fruit. You're like, like more fruit. It literally turned into the largest religion on the planet. <laughs> yeah, more fruit. That sounds like a lot of fruit to me. It does. So everything changed here. The Holy Spirit. Now, think about this. Old Testament, that's that longest period of time there. And, uh, and I mean, it's not to scale for the years. I don't know. But it's, we just put it together the best we can. Anyways, the point is, lots of cool things happened there. But the Holy Spirit was really only available to special people for special tasks that God ordained to move things forward. That's it. And often the Spirit would only be, be available to them momentarily for the duration of that task. And then Pentecost happened. The Holy Spirit was now available to all, all men and women, slave and free, male and female, didn't matter, Jew or Greek, Gentile, didn't matter. Anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord, who would repent and be baptized, would receive the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he would empower the very same things he did in the Old Testament. Maybe not everyone's going to lead an exodus from Egypt. <laughs> that would be weird because Egypt doesn't even have a nation like that anymore. But, but you get the point. Whatever it is that God wanted them to do, you, they would be able to do. He would empower things at Pentecost. It's absolutely incredible. Stephen, he's basically a regular guy, he, but he's not though. But take away the Holy Spirit, and this guy's regular. He's not even one of the apostles. They appoint him to take care of widows. I'm not trying to diminish the role. I'm just trying to, like, he's just like a volunteer here. You guys do that stuff all the time. And yet, it says the apostles gathered around and prayed over him, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was faithful. And he would go out, and he's doing his task, but he wouldn't stop refuting people with the truth about Jesus. <laughs> he's like, he, he understood his scriptures. The Holy Spirit gave him revelation and understanding. And he so enraged the religious leaders that he's the first martyr. They stoned him to death. How did he stand strong? Have you ever wondered, how would you ever endure? I have. thought about it lots. And I've come to the conclusion that I can't on my own. I have a hard enough time living for Jesus on a regular basis on my own. And Stephen stands up there full of, the, full of God, beaming like Moses. 
the veil is torn, and he speaks one of the most powerful sermons ever. Read it. It's in Acts. As he gets stoned to death. Stands strong, endures to the end. Even as he's preaching, he's speaking, or as he's getting stoned, he's preaching truth. Boldness. Sounds like those immature, early, like new believers, doesn't it? <laughs> right? I'm sorry. But if we're mature, older believers, and we don't feel that way anymore, don't you think it's time that we go back to the things we did at first? To reckless obedience, reckless. Err on the side of, I'm going to just do whatever he asks me to do, and then we'll worry about it afterwards. Count the cost. I'm not trying to encourage stupidity. Well, kind of I am. Let's just be reckless for him. Let's, 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 instead of sitting on the sidelines, sometimes we're taking 20 years for one yes. Let's just say yes and start moving and be wise and include wise counsel and do all of the right things, but don't wait. Don't, sometimes we excuse it in our own hearts. I'll, I'll get to that when. Jesus dealt with that same thing. I have to go bury my, my father. I have to go take care of my affairs. You know what he said? Like, th- then go and do that. Then go and do that. For the rest, just come and follow me. Anyways, I'm way getting ahead of myself here. Believers are personally transformed. Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter, John, Peter and John and they recognized that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. <laughs> and they realized that they had been with Jesus. That's what it says, the religious leaders. They're like, what are these guys? They have so much boldness and wisdom and power in their, in their speaking. And they're uneducated and common. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He didn't just do that then. He'll do it today. Doesn't mean we all have the same role in the body. He, he, he chooses. He distributes the gifts among the body, but then he empowers them by his spirit so you can do things that are way beyond your own ability for the common good of both the church and for the common good of the kingdom. Signs and wonders, he also does. Yeah, absolutely. Signs and wonders, gifts of the Holy Spirit given to the body, effective witness to make disciples, all of this equaled massive church growth. This church is the early rain's first fruits. That's what it did. Pretty incredible, isn't it? But it's not done yet. We still got the latter rains coming. And so now we'll look here. This is going to be the most fruit ever. So I don't know exactly where it's going to be, but it's going to be culminating and starting right before Jesus comes back. And then we're going to see it fully fulfilled and continue on for when Jesus comes and establishes his earth. All sorts of crazy things are going to happen, like all of Israel being saved. But even before that, we're going to have the greatest harvest in human history. And I want you just to think about that. Now, before we get there, when we talk end times, because now we're actually kind of moving towards that. You see the now and Jesus' is second coming and there's a small, I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know. And, and I think it's a waste of time to try to guess. It is. I think we would do better just to get ready and to obey the commands of Jesus and to recognize the signs. But most of our time should be in making disciples and getting ready and getting the, getting the harvest ready. I mean, wouldn't it be a waste if all the harvesting machines were broken and no one had serviced them and no one had gotten them ready when the harvest was ready, then it just rotted in the fields. Wouldn't that be a tragedy? Beyond tragedies, it would be. Anyways, so whatever your thoughts are on the end times, I just want to, because um, we'll come back to it more in fall, I think, but I want to talk about two main camps that I want you to avoid, Okay. There's two main camps when it comes to thinking about the latter rains or the two uh, about the end times. Number one is camp fear. So we think about the end, and this is, camp fear does this, right? Maybe you've gone to camp fear before, and camp fear is plagued with worry about what's to come. It's going to be so bad. We're going to have persecution. We can't buy anything. It's going to be the worst ever, right? I don't know what I'm going to do. And camp fear leads you to do things like doomsday prepping and making plans to fight back and stocking up weapons, like stuff like that. Don't do that. That is not what God is asking. When he says get ready, it's not doomsday prepping. What do you want to stay on this earth? The way things are now, is this really what you want to protect? There's another side, and it's called Camp Irrelevant. And Camp Irrelevant says, we don't have to worry about it anyways, because there's two things. Either we're going to be raptured before it happens, so poor everyone else who's on the earth, but (laughs) I don't care. Kind of reminds you of Hezekiah, right? Well, it'll happen to someone else. It's fine. 
So there's that side, and we're not going to get into why that's not biblical. But then there's the flip side of that, and then there's those that believe that we're already in the millennial kingdom. And, and the belief there is that, yes, Jesus is still to come back, but all the destruction stuff, it all was fulfilled in 70 AD with the destruction of the temple. So don't worry about anything bad that's happening, because unless you didn't realize, the planet's actually getting better. <laughs> Some of the looks on your faces, sorry. <clears throat> Good people believe both, okay? So I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to laugh at either, because I have... If, if the Holy Spirit's never corrected your theology, then you're not spending enough time studying and not spending enough time opening up your life to the Holy Spirit correcting you, okay? But anyways, those are both things. Don't end up in either camp. It's not irrelevant. Like, this is why the grand story is important. Don't just like, oh, I like this one verse and it's the only verse I ever read. Don't do that. Don't cherry pick. Learn the whole counsel of God. Get in here. Understand it. Live it. Breathe it. Know it. It's full of treasure. It's good. Anyways, all the Old Testament's pointing towards the end. And then Jesus comes. And then Jesus points towards the end. And then the end of the book comes. And it points us towards the end. So maybe, maybe, what happens in the end is important. Maybe. It's the crescendo the, the, the dark ages, the ages of the kingdom of the beast is coming to an end. And the kingdom of the son of David, the king of David, he will establish a kingdom that will have no end. That's what's coming. That's why we proclaim the coming kingdom. And we try to invite people to come. Like, you've got to join. You don't have any long tests to kind of figure out. and You don't have to memorize all this kind of stuff to figure it out first. He'll just give you. If you want entrance, he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. But then you have to learn the ways of the king and you have to learn the ways of his kingdom and you have to do your best to abide by them. And that's found in here. Anyways, once again, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, let's talk about the third camp. There's a third camp and this is the camp where we all want to be. Okay? Third camp. This is the camp get ready. Camp get ready is awesome. I don't know if you like getting ready for things. You know, when we get ready for holidays, isn't it fun? At least it is for me because my wife does most of the work. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> I really get excited about all the work she does. <laughs> Babe, it looks amazing. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> that's awkward. But anyways, you know like when, when Tobermory's right around the corner, we're going to go to Tobermory again this year, and when it gets close, like, I mean, the anticipation. Like, we're not going to be worried about, like, what if we get in an accident, and what if this happens, and what if the van breaks down, which it might. But what if all that kind of, we're not going to worry about that. We're going to be so focused on the wonders of Tobermory, and we know exactly what's going to be there. The water, and the hikes, and hopefully some rattlesnakes this year again. And there's just all the fun, and the ice cream, and it's going to be wonderful. And you know what that's going to lead to? Joy in, prep, in preparing, in getting ready. Get in the get ready camp. It's not irrelevant. You need to get ready. You're not just going to go to Tobermory and forget all your stuff. Don't do that. And don't be afraid of like, what if we get into an accident and you're paralyzed and you can't have any joy on your way there? No. Get ready. The final days is going to produce great tribulation. The worst time in human history. That's usually where we stop. Oh, the worst time. It's also going to produce the great harvest, which is the best time in human history. The best. In this world, you will have tribulation anyways. I'd rather, I don't care about the worst time. I care more about the best time. I want to be here for the best time. The final act. Now, if I don't get blessed enough to be there for that, that's okay. Because we still get heaven in the new earth. Okay, so it's still going to be awesome. But wouldn't that be cool to be here when he comes back? He ascended and the angel said, you saw him go up? He's coming back physically from a physical heaven that exists right now that we can't see. But he's going to come back and he's going to... Never mind. We're not, I'm going to get ahead of myself here. So... That's the camp we want to be in. Best time in human history. Let's get in camp, get ready. Whether this is the end or not, the command to stay awake and get ready has been there since Jesus walked the earth the first time. Do not go to sleep and do not waste your time on getting drunk or, or getting filled up with the pleasures of this world. Don't waste your time. Because there are no second chances. Invest it. Get ready. And find that you will have a, a cup that's full of joy. And it'll have hardship too. But we have hardship anyways. So, look at this. Worst time in human history. Oh, 
First, there's a, he put another parable. This is kind of talking about the, the two harvests. Remember I said there's both? I'll show it to you in Scripture. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore again, then the weeds appeared also. And the servant of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in the bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barns. Quick side note, because we're not talking about preacher rapture here, but by the way, preacher rapture and that passage don't go together. Because they would say, yes, the answer was yes, pull the wheat out. No. But look at that. He's going to let them both grow until the fullness of the harvest is in. The wheat's ready. The weeds are ready. It's the fullness of both. And then they're going to gather them, split them up. The weeds are going to get burnt. They are. But the wheat's going to go into his barns. It's going to be wonderful. Worst time in human history, 20, Matthew 24. There'll be great tribulation, and these passages scare people. And we should have a healthy fear, too. Such as not being from the beginning of the world until now, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. But then, the best time in human history. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. That's wild, by the way, because they have some other stuff that's numbered within Revelations. So no one could number this, this multitude. What does that even mean? No one could mul- number the multitude. Is it talking about all believers from all times? Well, let's read. From all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Wow. <laughs> and he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Those are the great harvest. Out of the, great, out of the tribulation is going to be a harvest that's so big you cannot count it. Amen? I know. Sometimes we're like, oh, I, I don't actually want to be there. Like, I don't want to be around. Who wouldn't want to be there for that? If you're going to be on this planet during this age anyways, there's no better time to be here than there. We are going to see an outpouring of the Spirit. We are going to see signs and wonders and miracles. And you're going to see regular moms and dads and singles and kids and old and young. All the stuff that Joel says. And they are going to open their mouths and utter mysteries that they never learned because the Spirit will give them utterance. And they will bear the hearts of men and women, in, in the, expose it in the open, and people are going to turn to God in droves in ways that has never happened before. It's the latter rains. Man. And then the restoration of all things comes. Just gets better. Like you say, oh, it's gonna get so much worse. It's gonna get so much worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The night is darkest before the dawn. Like, but at the same time, it's getting better, and it just keeps getting better from there. That's the hope that the early disciples had that many in the church have today when they're going through tribulation already. That's the hope that keeps them strong so they don't cave, so they don't deny their faith. Anyhow, our response. Because we need to respond, right? Get ready. Live by the Spirit. That's simple. (laughs) I could just leave it there. No, there's so much to be said here. But I don't want to overcomplicate it. But there is. The significance of of Pentecost, the early rains, was a down payment. And it was significant. Everything changed. Because of the early rains. Everything changed. What an incredible gift. Both in Jesus paying for our sins with his death, defeating the devil on the cross, resurrecting himself in just wondrous display, guaranteeing the redemption of our bodies so that we can have hope when you lose a loved one, which you will, if you haven't already, so you can have hope when you get a bad diagnosis, so you can have hope when you wake up in pain all the time, so you can have hope when you're stuck in an addiction and you're trying and you just can't get free. He did all that, and then he also gave you his Holy Spirit to give you new desires. He is creating in you something new if you will let him. That's wonderful. But we need to get ready. There's action on our side, right? So as we await the fulfillment of the promises, 
for a renewed heavens and a new earth for the second coming of our king. So we are here, right? We are here at that red spot right there. So we are there. We're right nearing the end. So early rains, our job is to get the soil ready. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. We need workers that are busy making disciples. Workers that are busy getting ready for the latter rains. We need to be diligent in this. Whether the end of all days happens in our life or not is not for us to know. That's what Jesus said. It's not for us to know. We are to know the seasons. There's a difference. We don't have to spend time guessing. You don't have to spend time guessing. Know the seasons, and this is what we know by knowing the seasons. Time is short. Get ready. So what do we do to get ready, right? It requires not just believing, but living by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at Romans. I always find it interesting. By the way, this is why I have, I know this service, I have large chunks of scripture on there and then instead of just uh, singular verses, because I think sometimes you take the one verse and it means something different, you don't focus on the whole thing, right? Take the whole passage. This passage is beautiful. And I would encourage you to go and read all of Romans 8, because it's really, really helpful for the days that we're in. If you have discouragement in your life and you're wondering what God wants of you, read Romans 8. It'll tell you a lot. Anyways, here is there, uh, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's that verse we talked about earlier. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So it needs to be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. tie that together with the first line. There is no condemnation for, for those in Christ Jesus. Yes, for those who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. There is no condemnation. That's, that's actually what the passage says, right? Are you following me? So that, it's important that we get this because if we don't understand what this book is saying to us, if we don't understand God's words, we're going to sit there doing nothing and that's not what he wants us to do. And there's too much at stake for that. Okay, so going back to it. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Wow. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. This is why we talk about that yes, responding to God with a yes, right? We don't want to be living lives that are hostile to God, both in the things he's asking us to do and the things he's asking us not to do. And it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, let that sink in. The spirit in you is the spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Think about that. Paul talked about it in Ephesians. And he said his prayer was, I pray that their eyes would be opened to understand the incredible greatness of power available to all those who believe. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. We're seeing him write the same thing here to Romans. And he's saying it's available to all who believe. Same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Get Ready, doing the king's work. Matthew 6, 33, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Live by the spirit. If you were doing the devotional, you will have read Romans or uh, Galatians 5. Right after the fruits of the spirit, that's often where we stop. It says keep in step with the spirit. You know what that means? Another word for keep in step? Obey. <coughs> obey. If you love God, you will obey his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You obey the Spirit. That's how you keep in step with the Spirit. That's why we talked about the early believer, and, and they're just like, what do they do? The two signs of an early zealot believer that's just immature, they can't stop witnessing about Jesus, and they live lives of radical obedience. They just do whatever he asks them to do. You know what another phrase for that is? Walk in step with the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. That is what it looks like. That's the most basic way to summarize it. So there's three things that we'll take a look at here. And uh, then we have two songs. This is not the end because we have a practice, a Holy Spirit practice on Pentecost that's going to be wonderful. But uh, first one is repent from sin in your life. Acts 9. 
Repent. That is, this is the gospel. Repent from sin in your life. Turn. Turn from sin. Turn to God. Absolutely yes. Get involved with kingdom work. Make disciples. That's the great commission and that seek ye first the kingdom of heaven all these things will be added to you. We're wanting, we're usually waiting for all the things to be added to us. The strength to endure, the ability to overcome sin, the passion and the fervor, right? We're waiting for all the gifts of the Spirit, you know, the gifts of the Spirit to feel good about ourselves and then we'll obey. He says, no, 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 no. Seek ye first the kingdom and these things will be added to you. And he'll give you what you need. Regularly ask for the fresh filling. Acts 4.31 is the first second filling that's recorded in Scripture. You know, at the set free, we talk about Peter maybe leaked. But they did. Of course they did. And what's amazing is you read Acts, and we were just reading that in the Holy Spirit devotional, in the Pentecost devotional, and they're doing signs and wonders. Like incredible signs and wonders. Like it's absolutely stunning, amazing what they're doing. Like we just think, oh, if I could have been alive at that time in history... Maybe then my life would be different. I'd have more passion. And yet, already by Acts 4, what are they doing? They're gathering together. They're praying together for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that they continue to speak the word of God with all boldness. You see, they recognize something. That it's not a one-time event. They also recognize something. That the power to do what they had been doing in the first three chapters was not in themselves. But in the Spirit of God who was empowering it in them. And that is true for us. We can walk in the Spirit at one point in our lives and then we can reject Him and lose that fullness. All right. We're going to do the same practice. If you guys have been to the set free, then uh, you might have done this before. And if you haven't, that's okay. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song called Release Your Spirit. And we're gonna spl- I'm going to split it up right down the middle. Now I know for those standing in front of me, you're like, which side am I on? It doesn't matter. Just pick a side, okay? Right? So we're going to go down the middle. This side's going to sing the song that we're going to go on there. We're going to sing part of it. And while this side sings, you tracking? This side is just going to pray and receive. And I want you to walk through those steps. Because remember, he convicts the world concerning sin and righteousness. That's both one and two. Righteousness is right living for God. That means putting the kingdom of God first. His priorities become our priorities. And guess what? His priority is make disciples of the nation because that has to happen before he returns. Right? That the gospel goes out to all nations. All right. So this side, you just kind of work through those questions and you ask the Lord to fill you. Make sense? This side's going to sing. And then on my cue, we're going to flip. Sound good? As the band gets ready, could you stand with me? Holy Spirit, we already tell you that we are welcoming you in this place. Lord, immediately I'm reminded in Revelations 3 how you said you stand at the door and knock. You were talking about a church. That you were actually on the outside of that church wanting to come in. And and if they would let you in, if they would open the door, your promise was to come in and eat with them and them with you. And I think about the imagery there of fellowship. And Lord, my wonder today is how many people that are standing in this room, how many of them feel alone and isolated and distant from you. And yet your word says you, are, you created mankind and you allotted the boundary lines and the nations of where they would be born, the time in history. And you made it so that they would seek after you. And then you promised, but you are not far from any one of us. So Holy Spirit, right now we open our hearts. We ask that you would speak. All right, this side's going to sing. Inside, you just pray. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Then ask Him to fill you. Sing, we open our hearts. We open our hearts to receive all that you are, all that you to receive all that you are, all that you are. We open our hearts, we open our hearts to receive all that you are, all that you are. We open our hearts to you, we open our hearts to receive all that you are. 
Sometimes our, our flesh gets in the way, our insecurities, and, and we think, you know, okay, we believe what you're saying in your word, but, you know, and maybe you're for the pastor, for special leaders, but we get stuck in this kind of mentality that maybe it's just like in the Old Testament where only certain people got it. And yet, Lord, you, you don't pour out your spirit on, on just certain people. You pour out your spirit on all who call upon the name of the Lord. There is no one in here that is too young or too old or too messed up to call upon and ask for your filling. Lord, you don't give the filling of your spirit because we're spiritual and amazing people. You give it precisely for the opposite reason, because we desire you but don't know how to get there. So Lord, every heart in this room that desires you or wants to desire you that says yes to you, I'm asking, Lord, that you would fill that heart in this place with your spirit, that you would start birthing new desires and new passions and a new heart for obedience in us. Lord, I pray also that you would reveal yourself to us in such a way that we would know you, that is life to know you. There is nothing more invigorating and amazing than to know you. If we know you, we'll be able to stand strong even when it's hard. Holy Spirit, would you reveal Christ to our hearts to know you and we just say yes to you. We're going to switch in this half. You're going to pray. What is the Lord saying to you, convicting you of concerning righteousness and sin? On this side, it's your time to sing. Let's sing together and pray. Open our hearts. We open our hearts to receive all that you
as we move into this final song and invite you into this place, we recognize that it's not just a matter of knowing this with head knowledge. It's not just knowing that you will give yourself to us, Lord. We need to actually lean in and walk in step with your spirit. And Lord, that yes that we've been talking so strongly about, Lord, we need you to show us what to say yes to. We need you to give us the power to say yes. We need you to give us the strength to walk that yes out. If it's a yes to laying something down, if it's a yes to picking something up, we need you. We need the spirit for new heart, for the desire to obey, for the ability to obey. We need the spirit. Are you enduring hardship right now? Are you facing hardship? Are you facing anxiety? Are you facing depression? Are you facing a financial hardship you have no way through? Are you facing a bad diagnosis? Or disappointment in your marriage or friendship or you're lonely? You need the Holy Spirit to endure that hardship. You need the Holy Spirit to get God's will for you in that place. You need the Holy Spirit to empower you to live for God, to keep your hope and your eyes fixed on eternity of what's to come.